0: Foundations
1: There's this psychology in primarily the Western Church but I think it would be everybody that if I can't see God and nobody else is around Mm. then I can do something private nobody knows but God has promised to never leave us or forsake us
0: Foundations Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith with Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby On our last program, we started exploring the question Does God want us to fear him? And we were just touching on the question about feelings and God's presence as we came to the end of our time and so we're going to explore it a bit more today understanding what God really wants does he want us to be afraid of him and how do our feelings actually play into that
1: yeah sometimes our feelings can be deceptive I'm not trying to say that feelings are not important feelings are important and they're, they're actually a gift that God has bestowed on us but our feelings are fickle and they're governed in many respects by a fallen nature so while they're important, they're actually not the plumb line. They mm. They don't actually determine what's right, wrong, true or false because our, li- our feelings can lie to us and at any given moment they can change <laughs> and God doesn't change like that. If, if God is for us, then if our feelings make us feel like he's not for us, then the feeling is a lying and we have to trust what God's word says more than our feelings. Uh, so we talked about um, fear of God, which is in Hebrew, Yirat Adonai, Yirat Adonai. And it's this idea of this constant awareness of the presence of God. And again, when we talk about the presence of God, sometimes we really mix that up because we think, if I feel his presence, then I'm in the presence of God. If I don't feel his presence, uh, then perhaps he's somewhere else. Yes, yeah, God's left me. He's left. And that is just so not right. And it's a psychological thing. Don't forget... A lot of times in our church services, and I don't mean this as a criticism, but it's a habit that happens. We say, oh, the presence of God is here. The Holy Spirit invaded. Um, Do you feel the presence of God? We put so much emphasis on that that when we walk out and that euphoric feeling is gone, we think that we left him back (laughs) in the building. But yet God said that I would never leave you nor forsake you. If you read um, one of my favorites, Psalm 139, you go all the way through that. And the, the psalmist is saying, where can I go from your presence? Mm. I could go to the highest heights, the lowest lows, the deepest oceans, and I can't get away from your pre- Even in hell, I can't get away from you. Mm. God's presence is with us, and it doesn't matter whether we feel it or not. In, in synagogues, the way they're designed, up the front of the synagogue, there is usually a cabinet. It's called an ark, and in that ark is where they store the Torah scroll, the Word of God, and generally speaking, there's usually a sign above it that says "Know before whom you stand," mm. and it's a recognition that when you know you come before. Well, we come before God, even though He's with us all the time. But it actually got me thinking: How many times have I grabbed my Bible and opened it and actually thought, "Who am I standing before?" Mm actually don't. To my shame, I don't. I mean, I respect and love the Word of God, but I don't know that I have that same level of awe. You know, sometimes people, you go to church and you put your Bible on the floor while you're worshipping God or what Mm. have you. To the Jew and even to a a, a Muslim, that is an appalling way to treat Mm. the Word of God. In Islam, Their Quran is never to be lower than, I think it's shoulder height. It has to be on the highest Mm. shelf. You never put anything on top of it. You never rest your cup of coffee on a closed book. You just don't do that. We don't have that same. Now, we go, but it's it's the book. That's just a book. What's contained in it is sacred, but that we don't have that same degree Mm. of reverence. So we have to be really careful. We allow our feelings to um, to guide us all the time when we need to not so much. So in Jewish thought they point out that study of the scriptures has always got to be done with Yirat Adonai. You come before God's word to study it with this reverential love and awe. Otherwise if it's just academic education in studying the Bible you get a lot of in- information but it and for Christians, it can feel a bit dry. I've got to go and study the Bible, and it's really hard going. And it's quite possibly that there's we don't have this reverential or this year at Adonai. And I have to confess to you, this is a challenge for me because I love to study. I'm a bit of a study. I'm a researcher. Mm-hmm. I love digging into all of this stuff. And I can get excited about the information, but I have to kind of – I was going through this particular study, enjoying it, and thinking – I've got to really challenge myself if mm. I have this year out of eye. When I come to study the Word of God, and again, you know, I could go the other way and think feelings are of no consequence. When there still has to, again, you you go through this obedience. You make this um, obedience to God. You you get this. This response you get, this consequence of your obedience, then comes this emotional response mm. and and this love that you you have going back to again this obedience we learned with Shema, and so the other really important thing is with Yirat Adonai is there's this moral foundation, with Yirat Adonai it gives us this inner moral conviction, and when you know that God knows your every thought. Doesn't matter whether you feel it, if he knows your every thought, that has to be a motivation that compels us to not just, you know, act good in front of other people, but that at all times. Uh, The Apostle Paul, he wrote in Colossians 3.22, and he said this, he said, Slaves, obey your human masters in everything, not serving only when they're watching you, to win their favor but single-handedly fearing the Lord. Mm. In other words, I mean, and could you imagine what it would have been like? I mean, in that day and age when slavery was the cultural norm, and I'm not talking about slavery as mentioned in the Bible because Jewish slavery was actually very, very different, vastly different. Most people are not aware of that to what it was in the rest of the world. But under uh, Roman law, slavery was, was pretty nasty, and there were Christians, believers, who were slaves, and so, writing this to the Christians from uh, by Paul, um he was basically saying, "You serve your master as if you were serving Christ, even when the Master's not looking. Mm. And because Christ is our supreme master, even when nobody else is watching, he's watching because mm. he's with us all the time. Yeah, so to do right. it with this reverential fear, not, I'm terrified for you, not I'm scared, I'm shaking in my boots for you, but this reverential respect and awe because even as a Christian in Mm. a, in a slave master environment, we're ambassadors for Christ.
0: And you can imagine how much of an impact that would have on the master in that situation, you can imagine a slave serving and honoring the master, even in his absence, suddenly he would be realizing, going, something's changed here. There's there's a you know a, a new respect that yeah. wasn't there before. That would then have an impact on him yeah. uh, in that sense as well.
1: Yeah, well, it, it, this was actually the case. Because remember, Paul wrote other let, letters and he wrote to so-and-so and so-and-so and any greetings and to all Caesar's house. I mean, Christians had infiltrated Mm. the highest levels of even the emperor himself. And that would have been through many who were working and serving and the rest of it because the Christian's life is supposed to be completely contrary to everything they'd seen. They baffled people. It it was baffling to non-believers to see how... They um, lived, and that was primarily because they knew that the spirit of God was with them at all times, even in a slave situation yeah. where they weren't feeling all warm and fuzzy. <laughs> oh, oh, let me finish with a—it's an interesting rabbinic story. Okay, it's about this rabbi who once got a ride with a horse drawn on a horse drawn wagon. And the wagon was passing a, a field full of you know, vegetables and the driver he says, look, I'm just going to go and grab some vegetables from the field. Call out to me if you see anybody coming. And so the driver starts picking vegetables and the rabbi yells out, we're being seen, we've been seen. And he runs back he's frightened, he jumps onto the wagon and he's looking around he said, there's nobody here, what were you doing? And the rabbi says, God is watching. He is <laughs> always watching and yeah. we've been seen. We tend to not think that way. Again, there's this psychology in primarily the Western church, but I think it would be everybody, that if I can't see God and nobody else is around, Mm. then I can do something private nobody knows. But God has promised to never leave us or forsake us. And if we have this obedient heart like we're commanded to in Shema, where we will love God, he commands us to love him and obey then the consequences of our obedience is going to come back to us. That's when the feeling will come. And this is where this reverential awe and respect, this spine-tingling amazement and uh, jaw-dropping awe that we have at all the good things that God has done for us comes from.
0: On the next program, we're going to take a look at the wisdom that is found in Hebrew words. That's next time on Foundations.